Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Welcome to Harvest Ridge, everybody. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Welcome to Easter service. I'm glad you're here. Uh, um, we are going to uh, be opening a Bible today to Luke. We're going to work through Luke 23 is where we're going to spend most of our time. So you got a Bible open with me. Um, I, uh, there's a reason we picked that song. The reason we did that song today is it was fall of 2006, and I had a teenager here from here at the church. Uh, said to me, he said, uh, there's a new band, just put out a new album, you got to hear it. So me and my wife, we bought tickets, and we went down to the House of Blues to see the opening tour of Red as they uh, did their End of Silence tour in their debut album. Now, Jason Rock was with them. He was the lead guitarist and the writer of that song and most of the songs on the album. And, um, you know, we're in the House of Blues. The room's about the size of this space right here, and maybe a little bigger. And the band's playing, and they're doing their thing. And we're standing, you know, 15 people back. And he stops uh, after this song, and he says, let me tell you why this song's special to me. Uh, he, he says, this album is special to me because a couple years ago, I, uh, I overdosed on heroin, and I died. And they brought me back to life. And uh, that's when I gave my heart to Jesus. And that's when I started the journey of being free of drug addiction. And um, if, you've, um, if you struggle with addiction, I want to recommend End of Silence to you as an album for you to take a long walk and listen to. There was a guy from our church. Um, we were coming back from a mission trip, and I said, you need to listen to the whole album from beginning to end, because that's an album. It's a symphony. It moves from beginning to end. It starts with, like, breathe your life into me. It goes into let go, talking to the addiction, let go. It talks then about I come to you in pieces, talking about coming to God in pieces. And then it's got two versions of already over. The first one is, it's already over. I gave in to my sin, so I run to my sin. And then the end, there's an ending that it talks about it's already over because I stopped running to my sin. And I started running to God. Man, great, great album. Uh, it's a symphony. It's a symphony and screamo at the same time. Love it. That's me in a nutshell. Why did we pick this song? Because for that journey of deliverance to begin, it starts with the moment where you let God breathe his life into you. You know, it just so happens the drummer up here has a very similar story. He was on his way to kill himself when we found him. And now, 12 years, he told me today, 12 years free. (laughs) 
The message of life in Christ is a message that can give you life, not just an existence. And if you're in this room today, I normally take Easter to tell you all of the logical and heady reasons why you should commit to a logical understanding of the resurrection of Jesus. That it's a factual story. It's not some religious fairy tale. It is a factual story that really happened. And I want to tell you all those things, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me do it. He told me to read a text and let the breath of life lead into you. So that's what we're going to do today. Before we do that, next 90 days, we're going to be opening up the book of Luke. We're going to be reading through and studying the stories of Luke. And I want to encourage you to take, you know, just a couple of minutes a day to start in Luke chapter 1 and for the next 90 days to read the book of Luke with us as a church as we walk through the stories of Jesus from the book of Luke over the next 90 days. So what did the pastor say when he found bugs in the church? Let us spray. After three days in a tomb, the resurrection was Jesus' exit strategy. And if you don't like either one of those jokes, it's your fault because you guys sent them to me. All right. So, um, can, I have, can I have 30 seconds of fun? Y'all all right if we have some fun today? Good. I got a video in a couple of minutes. It's going to be fun. Let's have a little bit of fun right now. I'm going to do a contest with you, all right? And this is what we're going to do. Everybody's going to hold your hand up in just a second. Just hold on a second. I'll explain it. You'll hold your hand up, and then I'm going to ask you to take a deep breath. And then after you take your deep breath, I'm going to ask you to hold it until you, you breathe. No cheating. Come on. This is church. You can't cheat. When you breathe, just let your hand down. Y'all ready? Everybody up? One, two, three, big deep breath, and somebody already broke it, got to talk. Oh, I lost. I'm out too. Now, as I'm looking, oh, I already have a couple dropping. Wow, wow. You don't often think about how long breathing. Most of you didn't sit this morning and think to yourself when you woke up, I need to breathe. I need to breathe because your medulla oblongata teaches, it, well, it's hardwired in involuntary breathing. The hands just keep going down everywhere. And there are some of you, you're like the Olympics. I don't want you to pass out. Everybody won. All right, you all won now. All right. Now, hold on. Why did I take the time to do that? Because in this room, some of you should look at the people around you and say, either you got big lungs or you're a liar. I don't know. <laughs> no, wait, what's going on is this. What were you thinking about the whole time? Breathing. Why? Because you didn't do it. Do you know if you don't breathe and your kid holds their breath until they turn blue and pass out, they're going to be all right. Do you know why? Because when they pass out, their brain will take over and they will breathe again. But do you know what happens if you would have not breathed anymore? What would have happened? You would have died. Because there's a very simple truth that I want to share with you today. Y'all ready for this? Breath is necessary for life. Would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? Luke chapter 23 is where we're going to start. Luke 23, starting verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were led out with him to be executed. 
And when they came to the high place, or they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Can I, I, I wanted to just stop for a second here this morning and tell you this. Some of you think that you've done too much, too bad, too wrong, and God can never forgive you. I just want you to know that when he was on the cross and the people who were murdering him, he forgave them. You never go too far for God to forgive you. Father, he prayed, forgive them. They don't even understand what they're doing. They're stupid. <laughs> you know, you got to forgive stupid people sometimes. Yep. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. I wish I could talk to you about that and the prophecy that's fulfilled there in Psalm 22. And the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. Jesus is forgiving and there are a group of people that are doing nothing but making fun of him and sneering at him. Think about that. Jesus is dying. You think it's weird today? No, it was the same back then. Jesus loves everyone. And you tell them he loves them, and they're like, eh, eh, eh. Because people are the same. There's some people that just don't want the life and the forgiveness and the freedom of God. So what did they say? They said, well, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine, vinegar, and said, if he are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. Now one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly. For we getting what our sins deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today you're going to stop breathing. But you get a chance to breathe again in the kingdom. You'll be with me in paradise. It was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two releasing God's presence. There's a lot in this passage. I wish I could talk about it all. And Jesus called out with a loud voice. Listen to what he did. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my breath. Don't, no, you don't get that in the English. But in the Greek, the word for breath is the same as the word for spirit. Into your hands I, I commit myself. And he breathed. He breathed his last. What did Jesus do? He what? Breathed his last. Father, I pray that today you would bless us in this place and this time, and I pray you would speak to us and our hearts would be open to you. Speak to us now, I pray, about your breath of life to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hey, before you're seated, why don't you turn to somebody and tell them they're looking really good today. And if you're single in the place, you might want to... Anyway. <laughs> All right. So um, I want to share with you three facts today about the breath of Jesus. Very simple. Won't take me long. You can listen fast. Leave your Bible open to Luke 23. 
First thing we know about Jesus is Jesus gave up his breath. Um, Jesus was not murdered. Jesus was killed, but he died of his own free will. At any moment, he could have stopped it, but he chose, and he gave up his breath. What that means is that he physically died. Luke, the doctor, makes a statement about his death. He said, Father, uh, Jesus called out with a loud voice, and he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And with this, he breathed his last. Now, what you need to know about how crucifixions work, most people don't understand how crucifixions actually work. Um, in Jesus' case, they nailed his hand, his wrist, right here. They, if they'd put the nail through here, it would have ripped right out. So they put the, the nails here, and then they put nails in his feet, and they hung him up on a cross like this so that his hands were sort of at an angle. And, and you notice sort of the sag, because if, if you were there hanging on this cross, if they tied other people. Uh, Jesus, they, they did happen to nail him. And what had happened is you, you'd, um, to get a breath, get a breath, you would have to pull up and push up on the nails in your feet. Anybody ever have foot pain? Is there any worse pain than foot pain? And, and imagine Jesus then like shoving his, the nails in his heels, shoving up to get a breath, and then he would sag back down. And what would happen is the body would go into contortions and cramps. So there's a prophecy about Jesus in Isaiah 53 that all of his bones are out of joint, that, that he's, he's all messed up because he's there and then cramps start happening from dehydration. Imagine, anybody ever had a cramp in the middle of the night? You woke up in the middle of the night, I get a calf cramp in this one all the time. And I wake up, I'll be hobbling around the room, Robin go, oh, it's a cramp, huh? Yeah, and I'm like, thank you for your compassion. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so anyway, you know, you've got you to move the leg to get the cramp out. Well, what happens if you can't move and you're hung? So Jesus' entire body was cramping. And remember, he had already been beaten, and his back was bloody, and probably his intestines were in, exposed. And here he is hanging on this cross, and, and as he goes to get a breath, he has to pull up on his hands and push on his feet to get a breath. And then he would sag back down and, and hang there by his hands again and couldn't breathe. And, and what what uh, crucifixion was, it was a slow form of asphyxiation that the Romans, um, the Romans developed it, but actually it was prophesied exactly how that would happen in the scriptures about 700 years earlier that you would, they would pierce Jesus' hands and feet. And even the, anyway, I wish I had time to get into all that. But basically, crucifixion was a way to kill you slowly by choking your breath out. So what happened was, the day they crucified Jesus was the day before, um, the day before Sabbath, and the Jews didn't want to leave anybody on the cross, so it was Passover Sabbath. So, so what happened in John chapter 19? We read when they came to Jesus, they found that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. So uh, what happened? These other two criminals on the side of him. To keep them from breathing and being able to push up, they would come and take a stick and smash it into their shins and break their legs so that when they tried to push on their legs, their legs were broken and they couldn't get a breath and they would just lay there and hang and slowly die of asphyxiation. But when they came to Jesus, he was already dead. So somebody said, well, there's no sense breaking his legs. So they took a spear and a spear in those days was flat. It was, it was flat. Roman spear was flat like this. And they took a spear and they shoved it right up under his ribs. And as it went up under his ribs, it, it says in this passage, instead, the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow 
of blood and water. And that's a medical condition that happens when your heart's under extreme stress. The picardium, the sac around the heart, fills up with water. And the fact that the spear went into Jesus' heart is proven by the flow of water and blood. I think it is interesting, though, theologically, that on the cross, when Jesus was hanging there, his last act of death was to bring the water of baptism and the blood of communion to us. It's just an amazing thought. You know, and, and it's an incredible thing. I mean, we had a baptism here on Friday night. Man, that was the most fun I've had in church in a long time. We had, uh, we had three people planned to be baptized, and I think another seven got up out of their seats and went home wet because they wanted to follow Jesus. Man, it, 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 there's something about these moments when life is renewed because we're celebrating the life that flowed from Jesus' heart. Now, so I tell you all that, and, and just to, you know, Jesus was dead. It was Jesus. He was dead. And uh, I've been around long enough. I read enough um, uh, atheist websites and comments and stuff. I hear the comments uh, that, that try to deny the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. And I just wanted to have a little fun with you for just a second. I wanted to talk about a couple of different um, theories I've heard placed out there about Jesus uh, not being dead or, or what happened with Jesus in this moment. And the first one is, if you've ever talked to anybody uh, that's into Islam or uh, is a Muslim, you've probably heard that it wasn't Jesus that died on the cross. It was somebody that looked like him, right? Anybody ever heard that one? Yeah, I want to know who the dude hanging there was. He'd be saying, yo, it ain't me. It ain't me, you know, Right? Uh, yeah, that, by the way, that theory didn't arise until about 500 years after Jesus' death. So that's not a new thing. Second thing, uh, I heard, I, I've heard this one. Jesus wasn't dead. He just faked his death. That's a really good faking. <clears throat> Don't mind my intestines hanging out. I've got nail scars in my hand and feet. I've now got a spear in my side, but I faked it. Oh, and by the way, three days later, I'm up walking around, walking in a place saying, yo, you want to touch my hand? Stick your hand in my side. That's a pretty good faker, right? All right. And then there's the one that I love the most. The disciples came up with the great idea to steal the body of Jesus. Well, actually, I actually have a video of this actually happening. Did you all know that? Thank you, Babylon B. I actually have a video of this happening. Here we go. Are we all here? I need 100% participation for this to work. Yeah, everyone's here. All 12, 11, 11 of us. Well, what's the plan? Well, as you know, Jesus is dead. <sighs> but stick with me, stick with me, okay? Stick with me. I have a plan. We are going to steal his body. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm tracking with you. What's next? And then, we're going to tell the whole world that you rose from the dead. Oh, oh you know I'm in. I love it already. <laughs> all right, classic, classic, then what? And then, we're all going to get brutally murdered. Oh! Oh! Wait, 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 come again, come again. Could you go over that last part real, real quick? So what, we get murdered? What's the problem? Uh, I like it. I like it. I mean, don't don't get me wrong, Peach. I love me a good hoax as much as the next guy, right? Right? Uh, uh, what's in it for us? Do we 
all get riches, fame, and fortune first, right? No, no, get this. You're going to be hated, hated. persecuted, and reviled for the rest of your life! Oh! 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 Okay, guys, okay, fellas, 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 fellas. Uh, look, uh, I, I, I gotta be missing something here, right? <laughs> okay, I mean, why on earth would we do this? Uh, no. When do we see ourselves become exalted and praised? That's just it. You don't! Oh! Chill out, bro. I mean, do I really have to explain the joke to you? Look, it's that we lie about Jesus' resurrection, and then we all die. Oh! How am I supposed to chill out when our heads are getting cut off? Or worse, what is wrong with you guys? You know, all the disciples, uh, all it would have taken is one of them to turn. And nobody that saw Jesus alive turned. Everybody, everybody stuck with it that they saw Jesus alive because they no longer feared death. What an amazing thought. Anyway, if you're interested in facts for stuff like that, I got a great movie I'd like you to watch. It'd be a date night. Yes, it's a love story too. And uh, uh, yeah, it's called The Case for Christ and it's a it's actually a good movie. I don't normally recommend movies, but I would recommend this one to you for you to take a moment. I thought I saw it on one of the famous providers of movies that I will not mention their name. So anyway, uh, Case for Christ, worth watching, and it goes over some of the details and facts. If you, you know, if you want to find the truth, the truth is there. All right, so the second thing we know about Jesus is not only did he give up his breath, but the second thing is Jesus restored his breath. It was early Sunday morning, Jesus began to breathe again. And by the way, nobody made him breathe again. He breathed again because he had the power to give life to himself, is what the scriptures teach. Luke 24, 1 through 6, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. So uh, obviously they didn't expect anything to happen. They expected to find a dead body. You know what? They found the stone rolled away from the tomb when they entered they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes like green, like Lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed with their faces to the ground. They, but the men said to them, and I love this line, one of my favorite in all the Bible. He's, why do you look for living among the dead? Why are you looking? Some of you, some of you trying to find a purpose of life in a bar? You trying to find a purpose for your life in money? Or a bigger house? Or whatever it may be that you want or whatever pleasure it is you're searching for? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Come on, if you want to live, you got to hang out where the living are. Amen. And they said, he's not here. He's risen. And uh, I, I read this next passage. I'm just going to read it, but I, I want you to understand that I'm reading it. I want you to notice the human things that show Jesus was a physical body. I want you to notice these things as I read, read the next passage to you. The things that show he was a physical body, not a ghost. All right? Y'all follow me? All right, good. Here we go. Um, when he was at the table with them, he took bread. So he wasn't a ghost. He picked up a piece of bread. He gave thanks. So he spoke. He broke it, and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were open. They recognized him. He disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, I love this, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Do you know, when God starts talking to you, you, you know it in here. Um, 
They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them assembled there and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened. Uh, these are the two on the Emmaus Road. The two told what had happened to them on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. What, what did he say? Come on, everybody say the first word with me. What? Peace. What, what did he give them? He gave them peace. Gave them peace. There's an awful lot of peace missing in our world. And, uh, and th- what Jesus said after his resurrection is the deliverable he was going to give you is peace. He said, peace um, be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It's myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And Jesus had not yet gone to heaven, so he's still, he's still in this physical body. He hadn't ascended yet. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet, and while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And he gave them a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it in their presence. The, the reason I talk about this is a lot of people think, you know, this was some mystical resurrection. No, Jesus' physical body that was crucified physically got up out of the tomb and is now there, walking around with them, eating with them. Wow. All right. So Jesus kept bringing them back to physical reality. Uh, this isn't some hallucination or spiritualized exaggeration of truth. It's a fact and a reality. So the third thing we find out about Jesus and his breath is he shares his breath. Um, Now, the Apostle John makes it clear that Jesus not only breathed, but that he shared his breath. And remember, the ancient words for breath and spirit are one and the same. So ruach and pneuma uh, are the same. Uh, They're breath and spirit. So in John 20, 19, when we read this same day in John, we read this. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors locked for fear. The Jewish leaders came and stood, uh, uh, fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, what did he say again? Come on. There's that word again. Peace be with you. After this, he, after he had said this, he showed him his hands inside and the disciples were overjoyed when he saw the Lord. And again, again, notice he emphasizes again. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And with that, he did something. He breathed on them. You see, the breath that came into Jesus in that tomb, the breath wasn't just a breath of life like we have. It was a supernatural breath. It was the Spirit of God. It was a new breath. It was an infilling breath that filled not only his body, but caused his dead body to come alive. That's a healing breath from God, and that's the breath he breathed on them. And that's the breath of salvation. That's the breath of new life. That's the breath that our song today was calling for, that the drug addict that can't get over it screams, breathe your life into me. Give me your life and your hope. That's the breath Jesus delivered. There's a story that actually tells all of this, and it's in the Old Testament. It's in in a passage called uh, Ezekiel chapter 37, and it's a passage of prophet who uh, God showed him a vision. And this vision was 
to speak about this moment of breath. And in a vision, he saw this valley filled with dead bones. And all these bones were humans that, you know, the vultures had already eaten away and had already rotted away all of the skin and tendons and muscles. And now there's just dead bones in the valley. And and, uh, God comes to the prophet and he says, Son of man, can these bones live? Can they live? <laughs> and he answers, hey, God, only you know. And, and eventually the spirit speaks to him and he prophesies. And he prophesies to the bones. And what happens when he prophesies to the bones, what happens is they, they get tendons and they get muscles and then they get skin on them. And there's a big rattling noise of them all coming together and they're all laying there dead bodies. And Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 8 It says, I looked and the tins and the flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. That's our point today. Point is, if Jesus hasn't breathed life into you, you're still dead. You can look all pretty in your Easter best. You can do the good works that you think is going to get you to heaven or whatever it is. You can do whatever thing you want to do with your life. But if Jesus hasn't breathed his life into you, you're still dead. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You're going through all the motions of life and you're empty and you're hollow and you know down deep inside that there's no life in you. And I want to invite you today that even though your body is breathing, your soul is not. And it's a great day for your soul to begin to breathe. One final thing, I want to read a, a passage from Acts 17. And I know I'm reading a lot of scripture, but I want you to hear what God has to say on the subject. Y'all ready for this? The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives us life and breath. Who's the giver of breath? God is. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out all their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. So God picked out where you're going to live, when you're going to live there in history. You could have been born at any time in this earth history. You could have been a a slave in the Roman Empire. You could have been, I don't know, some guy 5,000 years ago uh, with a, a wooden hoe trying to raise some corn, not starve to death. But you live here, and you live now, and you're in this space, in this place and you're here this morning because, here's why, God did this so that you would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him because he's not far from you. You see, God wants to give you his breath. God wants to give you his breath, but you have to want it. Um, the story uh, happened, it was uh, 2018, and uh, July 6th, there were a group of, um, well, actually in July, there were a group of um, uh, 12 soccer boys and their coach in Thailand that decided they were going to go into a cave. So they went into this cave back up the mountain, and there was a larger room back up the mountain. They get there, and it starts raining on the outside, and the monsoon rains from outside starts running down the hill and fill up the canal that they walked into. One place, it was so small that if you had to get through the divers to get through because it became flooded with water to get through, they had to literally take the tank of air off their back and drag it through the hole because it was so tight. And there are 12 boys up there. 
They're all preteens, and there is a, um, their coach. And uh, they're stranded. After they're finally found, uh, they sent divers like this guy. This guy's name is Saman Gunyan. And he was a uh, Thai Navy SEAL that retired and decided he was going to help the boys because the oxygen levels in the cave kept depleting and depleting. And soon all of the boys were going to suffocate and die. So they enlisted some guys like Saman here to, to swim through the water, up through the narrow crevice, pulling tanks of oxygen with them to take, to bring the boys out to get them out. Well, Saman was going through the corridor, delivered all of his tanks, and he started on his way back, and he himself ran out of oxygen. And this man died delivering oxygen to 13 people who eventually survived, but he died because he stopped breathing so they could be breathing. We would consider that an honor, and if you were one of those 13 people, don't you think you'd really honor this guy? I want you to know today that there was a guy on a cross 2,000 years ago that when he died and he stopped breathing, he stopped breathing so that a few days later he could breathe and say, receive my life. And this morning, he is inviting you to receive his life in this space and place. I'll go ahead and do it. The year was, um, year was 2016. And um, I'm at home in Oklahoma. My dad was sick with a lung disease that would eventually rob him of all breath. Sitting there listening to the sound of the oxygen machine pump so that he can have something in his lungs. I opened up my Bible, and I wrote this in my Bible. Today is my last day home with Dad. Just a couple months, he would be dead. He has an incurable lung disease that is killing him. It is early, and I'm up first. I sit down to read the Scriptures and ask God to speak to me. So where am I reading today? My first reading was in the last Psalm on the last time I would see my dad alive. Coincidence? I don't know. What does the last psalm say? The last words of the last psalm are this. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. My dad today, he's breathing. Because when he was a teenage boy, he realized that earthly breath wasn't enough. That he needed Jesus' breath to give him life. And for all eternity, he gets to breathe in the presence of God. And there are some of you in this room today, if it was your last day, you're not going to breathe. because you've never given Jesus your life. 
And I want to invite you right now, this morning, to give your life to Jesus. For you to accept his breath. We're going to do this different. My knees are old. We're going to do this different. I don't ever do this, but we're going to today. If you want Jesus' breath in you, everybody's going to stand in just a second. We're going to sing a song. If you want Jesus' breath in you, it's time for you to overcome that addiction. It's time for you to walk away from the sin that's held you and bound you your entire life. It's time for you to walk away from the land of the dead to find the land of the living. It is your day. Today is your day. Right now, you're drowning, and I've got a hand reaching out saying, come on, let's get out. Right now, when we sing this song, you want to make Jesus your Lord. You want his breath in you. I'm going to ask you to come to this altar and I'm going to pray with you. And if somebody from our prayer team is going to gather around you, they're going to pray with you. It is your day for breath. I want to talk to your head today. I'm talking to your heart. Heartburn. I pray your heart's burning within you. I pray that God is messing you up so bad that like when I was 17 years old, sitting right over there in a church, my mind on bad things. And the preacher said, if you want Jesus to be your Savior, get up right now in the middle of service and come to this altar. I got up and God changed my life and gave me breath. And I'm glad he did. It's your day. Today's your day. When we sing this song, if that's you and you want somebody to pray with you, just get up out of your seat and come to this altar. Would everybody stand up right now? Go ahead and sing it, guys.